Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. All right, y'all, this is back on part two on understanding the killing of Eric Richardson from Corey Richardson. I wanted to go ahead and do a part two because part one was great. However, half of it was in a bathroom and the other half I was doing it with my wife. I mean the podcast, not it. I was doing the podcast with my wife. So today I'm going to go ahead and get into a little bit more of the details about it. I got some audio clips. I got some new information about this case that is truly mind-blowing. So let's get into it. Okay, once again, I think this case is one that is, it seems like it's always broken down into a certain amount of aspects, whether it be greed. I think yesterday when I went through this case, I was really trying to understand potentially what the motivation is. And after doing a little bit of a deep dive on it, I was able to get a little bit more information. Okay. Now, mind you, the location of this takes place in Kamas, Utah. And the story kind of goes that during 2022, essentially there was having some issues in the marriage between Eric and Corey. And it kind of all culminated around a house they were trying to flip. This house was roughly, you know, it was a very large house with a value around about $2 million. And the intention of it was to potentially buy it, flip it, and make more money. However, Eric was not on board with this. And he was really having some issues with it. And this kind of goes into the part of potentially what is the motive. And I'll get into a little bit more of that. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play this clip for you so you guys can kind of have a good understanding of the house and the potential details. It's the house Camus realtor Corey Richens wanted to flip, but her late husband, Eric Richens, thought was too expensive. The 20,000-foot mansion sits on eight and three-quarters acres north of State Route 113 in East Midway. It's got a 3,000-square-foot guest house, too, but both structures are just plywood shells. The property was a source of disagreement in Eric and Corey's marriage. The couple was under contract at the time of Eric's death in March of 2022, and according to court documents, he thought its then $2 million price tag was too much. On Monday, Summit County Sheriff's deputies arrested Corey, who is charged with murdering Eric with five times the lethal dose of fentanyl while celebrating purchasing the house. She went on to write a children's book about grieving his death after that. Search warrants say Eric's family members thought he planned to tell Corey they weren't buying the Midway Mansion. The day after her husband died on March 5th, Corey closed the deal. She held a gathering at the family home that day too, and according to search warrants, it was then that Corey learned she'd been cut out of Eric's will, quote, making her financially unsafe stable. Exactly two weeks after Eric died, Corey put the home back on the market for nearly $5 million. Corey Richens is charged with aggravated murder and three counts of possession with intent to distribute a controlled substance. She has not been found guilty, nor has the trial begun. She is currently held without bond at the Summit County Jail, and a detention hearing is scheduled for May 19th. Third District Court Judge Richard Mrazek will consider whether she is a flight risk or an ongoing threat to the community to decide whether she will be held in jail while the criminal case against her is pending. 
After listening to that clip, a lot of details kind of came through. So the first was potentially the motive. So if we focus on this house, we can determine that it was probably more than likely the cause of the catalyst of death. But what's really interesting about it, and probably one of the, the little details that I'm always like, why? Um, is Eric was actually aware that Corey was potentially trying to kill him. Okay. And it kind of goes back to a whole situation because Eric was really close to his sister and he's really close to his family. They, from the get-go, believed that she had always had something to do with it. And we know he was poisoned with fentanyl. But if we go back further, there was actually a vacation that took place between Eric and Corey. They went on a lovely trip to Greece. And Eric started to get a little bit more concerned that potentially she had been poisoning him because he actually drank a drink, drink a drink, a drink, good Lord, that Corey had provided him. And as a result of drinking it, he felt violently sick. So we can start to determine that there was a pattern there where she probably had poisoned him before in order to determine it. But what kind of what kind of vile wife would poison her husband on vacation? I mean, that is probably the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, you like I get the point that she unfortunately killed him using five times the legal amount of fentanyl. Then she went on to even write a book about it where she tried to captivate off the death once again. And then she even tried to sell a house as a result of it. But this woman would go so far to poison her husband on vacation. I mean, if that happened to me, I literally think it would probably be the... I can't even understand it. I can't even understand it. So long story short, as a result of this, the husband started to really become very suspicious of the wife. And really thinking potentially that there could be other motives going on. Now listen to this. Two weeks before the murder happened, Eric actually switched the beneficiary of the will to his sister. Okay? And as you heard in that clip, she heard it in the house. So Eric was so concerned that he had actually told his family, I think she's trying to kill me. And if anything happens, it's probably because of her. Now, what's really interesting about it is, is here's where the story kind of gets interesting to me. So Eric seems like a smart guy. You know, he was, he, if you describe him, I listened to one of his friends describe him. So he was an outdoorsman. He worked really hard, you know, and his kids absolutely loved him. He was a father of three kids. They're saying... That as a result of purchasing this house, he did not want to buy. Okay, he thought it was too risky. They celebrated in bed by drinking a Moscow mule that potentially she poisoned. Okay, and how the story goes is she woke up to having a situation where her son was crying and then her husband was cold to the touch. I really wonder if Eric drank that Moscow mule or if it was something else because I have a hard time believing if a guy thinks his wife is trying to kill him he's he's he changes her out of the will he does not want to go forth with this purchase or this deal and then why would he continuously do it I think that's probably something that might not be the case like there might be something else there 
But it goes far to say that she said she didn't text anyone or call anyone but 911. But there's actually a lot of texting going on with her phone with her an individual by the name of CL. She, the nine, the, they determined that her phone had been locked and unlocked several times. CL between and she texted him between the 21st and the 22nd asking for pain pills. Now, as we look at kind of the the conversation she had with the dealer, originally she asked for some pain pills and then on her second occasion interacting with the dealer that potentially gave her fentanyl, he asked that she quote unquote wanted the Michael Jackson stuff, end quote, which is believed to have been fentanyl, but actually he was killed by a prescription the doctor gave him and um, Prince was actually killed from a fentanyl overdose and so was Tom Petty. So that's just a sidebar. So this all take place during and this kind of happened on Valentine's Day, you know, and we had a situation again where Eric had allergic reaction at a dinner that his wife made and led to breaking out in highs and having difficulty breathing. He took his son's EpiPen and some Benadryl before passing out. When he woke up, he called his business partner and told him about the incident. And she, okay, if you can think about it. He, so he, he literally ate a dinner from her. And then he woke up and told his business partner about it. And he said, some reports say that Eric believes his wife attempted to kill him again. Two weeks after that, Corey contacted CLs asking for something stronger. And that's kind of where you get the timeline between going through the Michael Jackson stuff and that would have happened. And she was so she 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 bought so much. She bought ninety dollars and Eric would be dead by March third. I'm sorry, March fourth. Okay. So if we look at the combination of the story, is this man knew this wife was trying to kill him. He told his business partners, he changed the will, and it really makes you wonder why he stuck around. But it was but it was brought to the police's attention Corey had argued with Eric over this $2 million house that they were celebrating, wanting to purchase it and flip it. So after it was purchased, he then tried to flip it for $5 million and nobody would buy it. This was the same house that Corey claimed her and Eric were celebrating before his death, which is really freaky. Okay. It actually, Eric was going to tell Corey that they need not to purchase the home the day after Eric's murder. And that's kind of what's contributing probably to the motive is Corey wanted this house. Obviously, she felt the need that she um, wanted it. And as a result of it, she tried to find fentanyl in order to kill him, you know, and Eric was found dead. So it kind of leads into a lot of stories about the police starting to determine their motive based on this two million dollars. Now, that's just the front end of the story. And yesterday I talked a little bit more about the book. But kind of getting into it. So then it goes, Corey asked, Corey was accused and insulting his sister, finding out she was charged with the whole real estate. So Corey is being actually charged with the first degree felon for aggregated murder and the secondary felon for the possession of it. So that's kind of what we get whenever we look at the breakdown of this case. It's one that takes a lot of different turns. But what's really insane about it is the fact that the husband knew. And it seems like often, in a lot of cases, partners or husbands know if there's potential poisoning going on. Now, when we look at poisoning as a whole, I mean, it, it, women tend to poison more because it's less deadly. 
But when you're looking at the case, she was so focused on money and business, she then transitioned into the next step of writing a book about the grieving process. Which to me, it's like one thing to be like, okay, like you poison the man on vacation, which is just really upsetting. You poison the man on Valentine's Day, okay? Then you poison the man when he doesn't want to buy the house and you kill him. And then you take his story and you turn it into a book to help grieving children. I mean, I I really can't think of anything that extreme. I mean, that is just dirty. And I really think anyone would would follow that. I mean, that is some cold-blooded-ish, in my opinion. So what's really tying it back to the potentially fact that she is the murderer is they have talked to the dealer about it. And because he had five times the legal, uh, legal amount of fentanyl, this woman is really stuck with a smoking gun. And I have a hard time believing that she'll get out of the case. And after the autopsy and the fentanyl, like it was believed that potentially she could have done it, but they needed to wait long enough to get the necessary, um, to get everything necessary in order to try her. And now she is being held in prison. But it really makes you wonder... And I'm going to go ahead and play one more audio clip of her talking about the three C's she came up with in the grieving process. Exactly, exactly. And so I've done, you know, I'm new to all of this, so kind of doing, all, you know, research and reading books and things to try and understand, you know, not only how to grieve as a widow, as a, as a wife, but also, you know, with my kids, how to help them, how to help them understand what just happened. And... Um, what I have kind of found is, as I mentioned, it's kind of the three C's is how I has visualize it. And it's, you know, um, connection, continuity and care. And it's, you know, making sure connection is the one major one and making sure that their spirit is always alive in your home, you know, and memories are always brought up and doing things that your loved ones love to do, whether it's riding bikes or their favorite dinner and just constantly, you know, talking about them. And and Corey, do you mention at dinner, here's dad or dad would like this meal or dad yes. would, yeah. let's bring dad on a bike ride. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, explaining to my kids just because he's not present here with us physically, that doesn't mean he, his presence isn't here with us and he's doing these things with us. And he's, you know, here for birthdays and he's here for Christmas and, you know, and it's just comforting to them to know that you know they're not living this life alone like mm-hmm. dad is still here it's just in a different way so i really just wanted to leave on that note um just sum up what they're talking about them be like wow i mean it's really really crazy and it really makes you wonder but what's also crazy is kind of what potentially is going to happen next for her because of if you were to think about a statistic that's pretty out there It's like, number one, do you think she should get the death penalty? I bring this up because in Utah, they still have lethal injection. And when we go in to look down and upon this level, it kind of gives us an understanding of it. But if I were to ask you a question, you know, how many potential executions have happened within the United States? Could you give me a number? If you could, either one, you researched it. Or two, you work in it, or you just know strange facts. Well, luckily you're listening to this podcast, and I can give it to you. There is roughly, okay, 
we look at it, there's roughly, there's been 1,561 executions happen since 1967. Okay? Can you guess how many of them have been women? Let's play a little trivia. I'm going to say answer A, 23. Answer B, 300. Answer C, 18. Answer D, 600. Okay, if you can answer that and you ended up on C, you're right. 18 women is the amount that has only been executed since 1976 out of that 1,500. Now, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this case because with the money, with all the things going out, there's a potential of execution or will she be given life in prison? I just kind of wanted to leave you on that note and I wanted to leave you with the part two in order to give you guys a little bit more information on this case. So thank you so much for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow.